Well, hello again. Here we are, smack dab in the middle of a lockdown here on Prince Edward Island, which makes absolutely no difference to this podcast because the interviews are all done remotely, so the show will go on. Well, this episode of the Belong Podcast, I got to spend some time with Norm Adams. Norm is a cellist, and he is also the artistic director of Suddenly Listen Music. He's also an organizer, a collaborator, an arty adventurer. He's also an adventurer of bike riding, and he lives in Nova Scotia with his family, but he also gets to spend a lot of time on Prince Edward Island every year. Here is my improvisational chat with Norm Adams. Oh, hey, Norm. Oh, hey. I didn't How's know you going? were sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't see you over there. Yeah, well, it's you. It's Norm Adams. Way over in uh, in the Halifax area. In Halifax itself. Not oh, you're right, there, like, right in the middle. Just right in the right in the middle. Yep. Cool. Um, well, thanks. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the Belong Podcast. I'm honored and pleased. Thank you for having me. Well, one thing about my relationship with you is that anytime we do connect, which is not all the time, but when we do, it it's kind of like we just picked up where we left off. Yes. Um, a little background. We have known each other for quite a few years because we... Um, at the time we met, we were both very involved in uh, the productions at the Confederation Center in the summer are called the Charlottetown Festival, and you still are uh, involved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whenever that gets back. Yeah. Um, I was there as a member of the Drill Queens, and you were in the pit and still are in the pit orchestra. Oh. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of how far we go back. And when we do make that reconnection, what's... What's really cool, like we did last summer, um, is it's just like I could just sit and talk with you for hours. So I thought, well, who better than to ask to be on the podcast but someone who likes to talk? Amazing. I do like to talk. Yeah, right on. It's one of my favorites. Well, I'm really, yeah, I'm super curious and interested to hear your story about uh, your podcast that you have. Mm. Yeah. So tell me, what's it called? Well, uh, my podcast is called New Musings on New Music. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of born, uh, well, I'm a musician, um, and I'm particularly interested in, in, contemporary, in, in contemporary art music um, and, and left, uh, left of that. So um, I was talking with a friend of mine, Barbara Pritchard, right at the very beginning of the, of the lockdown in the first few days, really of the lockdown. And we, we heard, uh, we, we'd worked, we've worked together quite a bit. Barbara is a pianist and she specializes in, in Canadian contemporary music on the piano, um, classical music. Uh, and, uh, we, we were interested because we heard, we had recently each of us heard each other playing not new music, but old classical music. Um, mm -hmm. I was playing a piece by Bach and she was playing a piece by Brahms and, and, and we sort of individually wondered the, the same wonderment, which was, which was why if you're, you enjoy playing that old music so much and you sound so beautiful playing that old music, why, why are you so interested in this new music? Mm -hmm. um, and, 
and we asked that question and we had quite a long talk about it. And I thought, oh, I should write all this down. This would be a really interesting article or piece some, some of writing. And then I thought, oh, that would take so long. And and I thought maybe it's a podcast. So we sort of we sort of uh, stumbled into it together. And we've been talking and and it was an interesting process because usually in the world that I'm from, which is classical music, we don't show anything to anybody until it's like ready to go. It, you know, nobody. Why is sees, that? No, <laughs> nobody sees the the you know the the hours of practice or the the sweating and crying and frustration. Oh, right. Yes, I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. You know, okay. we're, it's when it's when it's on the stage. I mean, you know, when it's on the stage, it's it's been it's perfected or as perfect as you can be, and mm-hmm. and people go, "Wow, that was amazing." Um, but Barbara and I didn't do it that way, which was which was liberating and weird <laughs> for both of us we decided to just stumble into it so we kind of like started to we did our first episode maybe it was on zoom and the next one was kind of using something else and we kind of worked into more dedicated podcasting tools and you know we figured out how to host it and we kind of did it while we were learning about it which mm-hmm. has been really fun and for, for both of us just it, it, it's a it's a completely different way of working so so we've been talking to composers from across the country some of who we know because we're kind of connected in the in the classical music world uh, and the contemporary classical music world especially um and some of whom we don't know and it's been super fun to hear about the the processes and the lives of these people, um, you know, in an effort to sort of demystify what all this is, you know, contemporary music can, can get pretty weird sounding and, and people are kind of put off by it a lot of the time. Um, but we don't believe that it's off. We, you know, Barbara and I don't hear it as off-putting and we, we aren't confused by it. We're delighted by being confused by it. Uh, so we, so we wanted to just share that, these are just normal people that talk and, and yakety yak, like and hang out like the rest of us. And we mm-hmm. have, you know, really kind of easy, like this kind of conversation, kind of easy going conversations about, well, how do you, what do you do every day sort of thing? You know, how do you mm-hmm. do your work and how's your, how's your work now compared to, you know, a year ago. Uh, so it's super fun and it's a great challenge. And uh, we got a little bit of funding from Arts Nova Scotia to, uh, I'm, we're, we're producing it through my company, Suddenly Listen, and we got a little bit of Suddenly Listen got a little bit of money from the province to to support nice. us. Um, so uh, it's fun. We do one or two uh, one or two episodes a month, mm-hmm. and that's enough. You know, cool. episode number thirteen. I'm editing episode thirteen right now. Oh, we'll, good. We'll record right episode fourteen tomorrow. So. Well, your your kind of description of when you and Barbara uh, initially uh, decided that you were going to jump into the podcast world about this, I my mind went to the kind of the idea of improvisation mm-hmm. because it, with my experience in sketch comedy uh, or just doing, you know, my old character, Park Del Doris, that's all scripted. That's rehearsed. Mm. That is like down to the cross the T's and dot the I's, right? Mm. So that's that is the world of performance that I am familiar with as well. But then I learned a thing called improvisation. 
Now, I have lots of opinions about whether I like doing it or not, but but jumping into that is another it's it's just another approach, but uh that your description kind of reminds me of that because I've I've also seen you play, um heard you play, seen you play many times, but in particular I'm going back to a moment when I did watch you do some contemporary improvisation and it was fascinating. When was that? You guys, you and a pianist were at the Confederation Center in the concourse. With, and the, with the guitarist? Yes. Were you there? Yes. Oh, I'm so happy. I was I there. Oh, that's great. Uh, that's, one, yeah. one of my, that's one of my favorite shows that I've ever done in Charlottetown. Oh, cool. We, I think we blew a lot of minds. That was, a, that was, yeah. That was, I had questions, yeah. you know, and so, I had no, like, really. I, I felt moved. I felt curious. Uh, and I was fascinated because it was just something I had never experienced yeah. before. One of my friends, one of my good friends from the crew of the Confed Center, who who I've known for for 20 some years, you know, through, through working there, came to that show. And I was really happy to see him there. And, and. And afterward, some people came up and talked to me, and I never saw him again. And we've never spoken of the show. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I really hated it. <laughs> well, as you as you did say in your analysis earlier, that you know it doesn't rub everybody the right way, no, no, right? No, no, no. And I feel the same way about watching uh, actors or comedians, either one trying, you know, doing improvisation on stage. I, I find it awkward sometimes because there's an expectation and maybe this is true with music as well, that in, 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 in comedic or in, uh, when actors are on stage, you want people to be funny. For some reason, people, want you to be funny because they've heard the word improvisation or improv and they think it's supposed to be hilarious. Yeah. That's, but it, and that's not what yeah. musical improvisation is necessarily. I mean, it, right. if you say imp- improvisation in, in music, in the music world, some people may think jazz, you know, uh, right. and which is not what we're doing either. Um, I mean, I think it all, in, in, in a way it all comes down to uh, the idea that, when you're on a stage playing something that's uh, prepared work or, or 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 performing something that is prepared work, the idea is to make it look like you're it's they're the first words that came to your lips or they're the exactly. first words that came to yeah. you. We're aspiring to sound it, sounding like we're improvising. You know, I can, there was the time that years ago at the Confed Center when they did the. I don't remember the name of the show. Wade Lynch was in it. It was a sort of a hairdresser crime show with multiple endings. And, and there was a great oh, yeah. moment where, where, uh, and, and Wade was just hilarious. And, and there was a great moment where he kisses full on the mouth, one of the other uh, characters in the, in the, in the, in the show. And it's, and it's shocking and it's hilarious. And I thought it was the most off. I thought it was improvised. I thought everything they were doing was improvised. And I went and talked to that actor after, and I said, man, you guys were like flying the other night. It was like, you guys were just cooking. And he said, everything is scripted. Every eyebrow every, lift, every yeah. uh, reaction, reaction, and 
action, reaction to the action reaction is scripted and, and set and rehearsed. And I was just, I was appalled and shocked and disappointed a little bit, but amazed well, that it was done but so that's beautifully. A, that's a perfect example. It's a, it's a great comparison yeah. because um, it's, it's, you know, when people uh, watch musicians, for instance, they'll say, oh, they're so professional. Because to I think what's what what they mean or what what's behind that is that it's it's seamless and flawless and it there's no effort to it hmm. and and it seems as you say that it's the first time they thought of playing those notes when in fact like your description of Wade's performance like it's completely blocked hmm. everything is planned the director has it down to a T now not to say you don't waver from that from time to time but you can get reined in pretty quick if if it if it uh, you know takes away from the story but um yeah it's 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 a really interesting uh description of of that experience of 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 improvisation uh versus uh you know, scripted type of material, but yeah, the virtuosity there is in the recreation and in the repetition, not in the creation. Uh, right, and that's what we're trying to do as interpreters of set material. But I'm not, and I like that. You know, that's hard, and it's and it's fun, and it's neat to play stuff that's been played a lot of times and it's neat to repeat music from music that's familiar to people. But mm. in general, in my life, I'm not interested in that so much anymore. What I'm interested mm-hmm. in is actually the opposite of all that. And it is what can I do that's not preset? And what can I do that's in cooperation with uh, my collaborators and and speaks of what's happening right now in this very instant that we are inhabiting together? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm interested in. And, and it's... Uh, uh, it sounds frightening. It's it's well, I don't like the word frightening. No, <laughs> no, it's not it, much in I, my grant applications. No, no, or, no. Or yes, by the way, we want money to do a frightening project. But, yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it requires it, a sense of adventure. It yeah. requires the audience or a listener and a and the performer to be ready to go on a trip, and mm-hmm. and and not worry about where it's where the train is going. You know, um, yeah. When you talked about expecting people to be funny, I mean, not everybody is an improviser and not everybody can pull this off. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's like it's kind of like jumping out of an airplane without a net for some or without a, without a net. Well, that would be uh, it's yeah. kind of like, it's kind <laughs> of like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute. Or I was mixing my metaphors or, yeah. you know. <laughs> whatever on the trapeze without a right. net, you know, right, right, right. Uh, it's, uh, it's for me, it's like amazingly exciting and fun. And for mm-hmm. other people, it's like uh, they freeze and they can't do anything. And they, yeah. and, and it's not, it's not for every yeah. audience member. And it's not for every performer, but man, there are people that, uh, I mean, there are people that are theatrical improvisers that are just brilliant at it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the, the world of, of, theater improv is uh is a i mean what i know of it is is that it's a fairly it's sort of a an activity that's fairly reined in and and it's got kind of parameters and and games and 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 uh sort of bookends around it that limit a little bit in what i know of it um 
you know, I once did an improv show with an actor and, and she and she needed to have something that she was improvising on. Like, okay, what are we gonna what's this improv about? And mm-hmm. and musicians, the ones that I hang out with don't need that. We don't even want that. We just want to start. Yeah. There's there is it. a there is a form of theater improv called long form. Okay. And um so what most audiences are used to seeing is what, you know, would be a shorter form that does include things like games where they ask the audience of things, you know, like name a place that you were on vacation or who's your favorite uncle or whatever. Um, long form is, is a store, more of a story. And I actually enjoy both performing that and watching it more than I do mm-hmm. the other stuff because the other stuff I find bombs too much for me to really like i'm just constantly on the edge going oh god oh god yeah well you have to be really good at it you know you have to be and and it's just too it's too (laughs) i i like the i like the storytelling of a long form because the pressure is supposed to be less on the actor (laughs) to be funny it's not about it it's it's not about thinking at all and does 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 the idea of thinking come into play when you're performing your improvisation pieces? That's a really good question. One time I was driving, I was I was getting a ride with a friend of mine from Prince Edward Island. Uh, we were in, uh, in Halifax and we were just starting a tour and I was traveling with, we were doing this tour with Jerry Hemingway, who is a very important American drummer that lives in Switzerland now. And I was beginning, I did this really beautiful tour with, with Jerry and, and, uh, Tim Crofts and Lucas Pierce across Canada in 2017 or something. And, uh, and we were driving across the the bridge, the the bridge across the Halifax Harbor. And my pal Duncan, who was driving generously driving us to the airport said, so what, what is this improvised music? And Jerry Hemingway made the most articulate and beautiful definition of improvised music in about five minutes. He completely nailed exactly what it is and what, he said in, in, and I wish I'd recorded it, but I didn't. Uh, and what he said was something around it is great musicians making very, making decisions that are so fast and so that it seems instantaneous. You know, there is a multitude of, of uh, possibilities, and at every microsecond, the artist is deciding. Which way it's going to ha- which way it's going to go, um, and so there is there's a tremendous amount of thinking happening, but it's so fast that it kind of disappears into the background a little bit, and it mm-hmm. kinda, and it sort of feels to me when I'm when I'm there when I'm in it, it feels to me not like decisions or not like thinking, but more like finding uh, a, the path that the music is on. Uh, finding the path that I'm on at that moment, uh, whether where how it relates to the to the musical paths of the people of my collaborators, whether we're going in the same direction, whether I, you know, whether that person has decided to turn left over here and I'm going to keep going straight, or maybe I'll follow them left, or maybe I'll go, turn right around and go the opposite direction. You know, we have this kind of awareness of one another, this sort of loose global awareness of of where we are through our listening. As, yeah. yeah, that's the, the word that was just on the tip of my tongue was listening. That's what it's all yeah. about. 
I mean, totally. that's what it's all about. I mean, in the world, but also in improvised music. Uh, it's, uh, you know, through that list, the, the listening creates the, the, the view and we, and we work within the, that world and within that listening and those that can listen even further, and even, uh, you know, deeper into what is happening are the better, are the better improvisers. So it's quite a beautiful meeting of human, yeah, human it sounds like for me. So in that listening, uh, you are familiar, obviously, with playing with certain people and maybe not as familiar with others. Mm-hmm. Does how much of knowing that person now, obviously, kind of like you trust that they're capable, obviously, or you wouldn't share the stage with them. But how much of knowing their person, their humanity plays into your ability to really, truly go deep into that listening? Mm-hmm. That's also a good question. I, you know, somewhat. I mean, there are lots you hear, you see, and find lots of recordings of of concerts, of live recordings of people that have met that moment before they, you know, walked onto the mm-hmm. stage and somebody pressed record. Um, and there are great recordings of people that have played together for a half a century. You know, um, right. I'm a I'm a proponent of the of the, I mean, I'm a believe, a greater believer in the knowledge is more uh, school. Um, some people in the improvised music world don't want to know the people too well. They don't want to know the playing of the person too much because they don't want to have expectations and they want to really be in the moment and and find out where it's going at that time without without having any preconceived uh, knowledge or ideas of where it might go. Um, I like, I like the idea of of getting to know the person musically and then uh, feeling free to go beyond that or or past that or to the left hand side of that or the right hand side. You know, to not you know we know we as improvisers know never to try to recreate anything because it never works out. It never works out as great right. as last night. Um, yeah. But uh, you know the. For me, the knowledge, the the me knowing that person will just know will just be the, the knowledge that I can trust that person to be with me and to be to get you know that we can be together. So it, it, to me, it's more about trust um, than actual knowledge, if that's possible. If the two are exclusive of one another, yeah, yeah. So okay, let's rewind just you know a couple of decades or more. Okay. Um, as a, you know, middle to young as you are. Huh. Um, when did you know that music was going to be who you are and your life and so mm. much of it? Um, you know, I always took, I started my first violin lessons when I was four years old. Um, and, and I was just a kid that did, that did, that because I was told to and but I also played sports and I was in the drama club in high school and I hung out with my friends and I didn't really apply myself very much I grew up in Sackville New Brunswick so it was a small town and and you know we just did small town things um and I and I got through high school and I and I and the only and I was I was kind of I kind of want to be different I wasn't really interested in doing 
anything. And so music seemed like what I could do. And I went and took a year off after high school and kind of started to practice. And I really kind of practiced the cello for the first time that year. I didn't really apply myself. I was kind of a hack. And, and uh, I took some lessons. We had moved to Ottawa, took some lessons there. And then I, and then I went to university for a year there and kind of kept practicing. And then I went to Another school in the United States, I went to uh, school in, in Houston, Texas, to a, a teacher that I'd met at a summer thing. And yeah, I went through that year, and I still wasn't quite there. I, you know, I, I was immersed in it, but I wasn't quite there. And then I remember, and, I, and this is a, uh, it's a good good question, because I've got a good story. Uh, hmm. uh, I, I, was, I went home at, at maybe in the spring after my first year of university at, in, in Houston, and Went to the Mount A Music Library, which I often did when I was when in those years. I would go and hang out at the music department at Mount A because that's where the music people were, and that's where the practice rooms were. And I loved a practice room, and so I'd go to, and I'd go listen to records in the library, and I put on two records: the the early recording of Jacqueline Dupre playing the Algar Cello Concerto when she was eighteen years old, um, with with. Uh, I forget the conductor, Barbaroli, John Barbaroli. And and then another a performance of a singer singing the Rachmaninoff Vocalese, which is which is a famous song of Rachmaninoff that has been transcribed for lots of instruments. And I think I was playing it on the cello. And I was think I'm I hadn't started studying the Elgar concerto at that point, but those two pieces, I listened to those two pieces sitting at that table in the Mount A Music Library, and the hair on the back of my neck, something struck me deep mm. at that moment. Something, everything kind of aligned that that music, listening to that music went to my heart and where it had never really been before. Um, and it, it, that was the moment. Mm. <laughs> that was the moment. So I went and I went back to school in the, in the next fall and my teacher like said, what happened to you? Because, because I, I was a different kind of player. I, I became a, a, an aspiring artist at that point and not just a, a cello player. Wow. So, so it, it, yeah, that was, you know, that was, it was what that day. It? it was that instant. That's and when the, you, when you reflect on that, as you just did, but when you, when you have reflected on it, was there a gradual movement to that, that you can recognize now or did it, was it that sudden? No, it was that sudden. Well, <laughs> suddenly suddenly listen yeah yes uh, yeah, perhaps you know yeah. It, uh it, yeah i never thought of that but no that's mm. kind of the way things go for me a little bit is things or i just sort of know when they happen mm. <laughs> it kind of happens no, that's, morning that's and, cool. and yeah. they happen and then you go oh yeah i'm gonna do that now so yeah uh, but you're still doing it and that yeah. was you know that I mean, was a long time ago. It was, I mean, it was, it was, it was something I was doing at the time, but then I realized, I learned that, oh, this is something I have to do, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, or this is something that yeah, I was, I'm wired to do, or I'm, you know, meant to do whatever that means. Um, and that's, and I've stuck with it. I, I, I guess what it taught me at the moment was, at that moment was that I was an artist of some kind, or I was a musician, but I realize now perhaps in, in, on, in hindsight that I'm an artist I am an artist, whether it's I'm a musician or whatever. I have an I have my mind is my mind and my my system is wired that way, um, and that's an awesome way to be. I think artists are the best. 
<laughs> I agree. I agree. So yeah, that's what I learned that day. Was, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, what people call, there's many different ways to kind of label it or call it, but when people say they, you know, they found home. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. When you find you, yeah, you realize you belong there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Inspiration is a beautiful uh, 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 experience when it when it is pure like that, and when, mm. it, when it hits you like that, it's quite a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, I'm really looking forward to to tuning into your episodes and it's learning cool. more about about um, you know that whole world. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting. There are a bunch of interesting people. Uh, of all different kinds, you know, composers and, and creators. Um, it's, it's interesting to, it's interesting to hear about how people make something out of nothing. Yeah. Um, and I, it still fascinates me. I, I don't know how they do it. Like I'm not a, as a creator, I'm not a person that writes stuff down. I'm not interested in, I was a classical musician for too long to ha have the nerve to cement something <laughs> In right a, in one form and and, yeah. and walk away from it um yeah but these people are courageous that way they're they work on it until it is the way they want it to be and then and then they then it's done uh, you know or or it's done enough to pass on to mm -hmm. someone to interpret all right so where do you you know that's what you're up to you're you're you know in right in the middle of all that now is this something you see kind of is, is this a um, a way into the future for you? Is this, or, or do you even look that far in advance? Oh, I mean, I look, I look, I, I'm always looking. Well, actually, I'm getting, I'm, I'm, I'm actually enjoying the pandemic, the global pandemic, for oh. not having to look ahead so much. I'm yeah. kind of reveling in the, you know, my my, my job. Well, for many years, I, you know, eventually when I got out of school and blah blah blah, I got a job. Uh, as the principal cellist of Symphony Nova Scotia and Halifax, and I did that for for twenty seven years. Um, concurrent to that, or a few once a few minutes, a few minutes, a few years after that job began, I began to be, I became an improviser. I, I I became an improviser kind of late in life, maybe in my in my early thirties or my thirties or something like that, and and uh, and so I began to to produce more of that music through my company suddenly listen all, all, while being the, the principal cellist of symphony nova scotia so it was a lot mm -hmm. it was a busy 15 16 years or so um doing like three full-time jobs as opposed to one um but uh i left the orchestra in 2018 and now can apply myself full-time to to weird music and uh, part of that, a big part of that is planning ahead. You know, you have to, you have to, I, you know, I run a, Suddenly Listen has a series that are a program that it runs through the sort of September to May period. Um, so I have to plan all that and I, we do concerts. So I choose artists for concerts and we, you know, have artists in residence. We choose our artists in residence and now we're doing a podcast. So I do the podcast and, and we commission videos and so we can do the videos. So there's lots of work around that. You know, so I need to, you know, that that funders require us to plan a year or two ahead. You know, I think this fall I'll have to write an application for four years of funding from the Canada Council. And I'll have to tell them what I'm doing for the next, you know, roughly for the next four years. So 
there's a lot of planning involved that. And then as a as an independent artist, which I am as well, you know, if I want to go and work in Europe, I got to plan two years ahead on that one too. So uh, the the thinking ahead is kind of what we do every day. Um, and the pandemic's been fun because you just can't. And so it's it's sort of relaxing and it lets us lets me live a little bit more in the moment than, you know, for all the living, you know, making music in the moment that we do, we're all thinking ahead <laughs> in yeah. the rest of our lives, you know? Yeah. The dichotomy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, I mean the, you know, yeah, this is what I do. Uh, this is, this is how I make my living. Um, uh, I do, a, uh, you know, I m- make income being that kind of musician um, more or less. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to become a plumber or anything. No, but one thing I know that you also do is you ride bikes. Yeah, I do ride bikes. I'm not going to become a professional cyclist either. No, but my (laughs) God, it's fun. Oh yeah. No, I've been thinking about, you know, this conversation and, and, and what that riding bikes is. And I, and I realized that what, what it is for me is, is, enforced balance uh literally and and universally um you know for me our lives for for me and my partner sue our lives have been you know fall and winter and spring in halifax working with symphony nova scotia or being artists here and then summer is moving to pei and 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 playing with the charlottetown festival there and and for me that also means moving to pei and and getting to hang out with the my beautiful community of friends that ride bikes uh, on, on PEI that I've known, some of whom I've known for 25 years now. Mm. Um, uh, that I don't have an athletic community on, in, on the mainland. Uh, here I am just 100%. I, you know, I ride my bike in the basement on the trainer by myself and, and the rest, and my friends are artists here my friends aren't athletes they're the opposite of athletes um <laughs> and my my friend that i work and i ride my bike in the basement so that i can like hang with my friends yeah. <laughs> all winter long so i can just keep up and not look really humbled as i'm going <gasps> beside them or well it's impressive that you can divide it like that but it's also a little bit sad well it, it is a little bit sad but it's the way it's been for a long time yeah. so so yeah. I don't mind so much as long as I'm sort of more or less fit when I get to the island so I can hang with my friends. You got to be able to keep up. It, it's, yeah, it's, it's a little, it's a little bit like, like the balance that many people have to have in their daily life, you know, where you go, okay, you know, I, on the weekends, I, I go and do these activities or, you know, uh, I take vacations and I go to somewhere to do these activities uh, or, you know, on Wednesday night, I can go out and do this activity. I don't do that. I am mm. just an artist here, and I'm an organizer, and I'm a I'm doing stuff of that nature full on, and taking some time to try to keep fit. But when I get to the island, it's all about just riding the bike and being cool. around bikes and being around cyclists. And yeah. you know, we don't. I, I rode with people. I've ridden with people for years, and they don't haven't asked me what I do. <laughs> Well, there's you're something maybe, there's something the so lovely about that. You're maybe yeah, um, let's ask the second most. The, the, you know, my pal Duncan and I have talked a lot about the arts because we talk a lot about everything when we're riding. But 
uh, you're maybe the second person to say, what is it you do again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what is that exactly? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not important, uh, you know, what's important. It's is not, you're pre- it's a zone. Right. You're in the zone when you're out in the forest on your mountain bike. Yeah. And um, it's a pretty focused thing to do. And it's also very social, but yeah. you know, as you know, it's all about talking about what you just did, like the ride. Right. Yeah. Like there's not a lot of political talk or, nope. you know, anything else is that nobody talks about what they do for a living. It's just, yep. how was that ride? And then of like course you're going to hear, yeah, play by play the whole thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 The tires, the gear, yeah. Yeah. you know, you're riding a one by 12, one by 11. Yeah. Like, yeah. what do you got? <laughs> it's, it is. Uh, it's a beautiful, yeah. for me, it's like a, it's like a relief in a way, you know, um, and it's a and it's a world that I'm pretty comfortable in too. I you know I'm pretty happy. I, mean, I kind of know what I'm talking about. I've been doing it a long time, and and it's fun to just live that yeah. for three or four months or however much we yeah. can squeeze in over there. Yeah, can't wait to get well, there. Sounds like a nice balance. And uh, listen, I am just really appreciative, and I feel like I've learned you know, quite a bit listening to your story of, of how you got your podcast started, what it's about. And then our, I really enjoyed our little uh, segue into improvisation and do want to talk more about that some other time. There's a lot to um, talk about there. There is. And I, I want to go further with that. And maybe we should have a part two. We can do part two. But if, you wanted, if, if your listeners wanted to uh, prep for part two, they could check out the Suddenly Listen YouTube page, uh, the Suddenly Listen Bandcamp page, uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, uh, what else? I, I will list all lots of those of, things. Yeah, lots of music the- uh, to be seen and heard there mm-hmm. with, well, you know, what we're doing. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, on that note... <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> so, so wanky. Um, Norm, so, listen, so thank right you. <laughs> so bad. Uh, I really am. I, I mean it when I say that. I'm so thankful that you agreed to have this chat, and I look forward to part two. I do hope to see you over here soon. The snow is still here and it's probably going to be around for a couple more months, but I look forward to our bike rides and uh, yeah, I hope you stay safe. Say hi to your family. I will. And we will be in touch soon. I'll see you June 1st at the latest. Really? Yes. Perfect. (laughs) On June 1st. So we'll be there. Okay. The mud will be dry. Yeah, we're going to be ready to go. Right on. Okay, thanks so much, Norm. Great to talk to you, Cynthia. You too. Thanks. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you, Norm, for taking time to share with us your passions and ideas and for your spirit of adventure in all things that you do. And thank you for listening. A special shout out to patron Peter Rukavina, who supports this podcast at Patreon. If you'd like to become a patron, visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash the belong podcast. See you next time.